Welcome back, everybody, to another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King, joined here by Jason Caldwell. We've got some Auburn game action to talk about. Disappointing loss for Auburn in Happy Valley. The Tigers go down 28-20, to and we'll just jump right into it. I'm sure there's not many people listening to this that didn't watch the game, so there's not much to really uh, we got to dive into in terms of telling you what happened. Uh, Jason is currently in an airport right now and has gotten very little sleep and is about to head back to Auburn. So, Jason, we appreciate you hopping on. But um, as such, Jason, everything's still pretty fresh for us. It hasn't been too long since that game ended. Um, so let's just start with what everybody's talking about. Auburn goes down 73 yards. They had 75 yards to go try to to tie the game. Obviously, they would have needed a two-point conversion. And we saw earlier in the day with Alabama and Florida, you know, nothing is guaranteed in terms of getting two points and tying a game up. But a questionable play call. Fourth and two, um, Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter averaged more than five yards carry throughout the night. They were pretty impressive. They're were, they were probably the most impressive part of the entire game on Auburn for Auburn on both sides of the ball. Yet you go away from them on a fourth and two, um, run a fade to Kobe Hudson. But as Brian Harson explained, that wasn't the only play call there. Um, but just what were your thoughts? And, and uh, were you in that end zone or were you on the other side of the field? Yeah, I was. I was in that end zone and. Um, you know, I, going back and, you know, obviously being on the field for me, it's a different vantage point. So going back and seeing it, uh, just, you know, kind of noticed that, you know, for me, I didn't really kind of realize that Kobe was in the slot. So it was kind of almost like a rub that they were going to run that fade off of. And, you know, uh, it didn't, didn't fight through the, 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 the traffic a whole lot. There was some contact, but, uh, you know, I think had he maybe <clears throat> made a stronger push for the ball, maybe he would have gotten a call, but, um, didn't happen. And, um, yeah, you know, it was, I don't know. Um, I think that's, that's part of an issue when you're still trying to figure out everything. Um, we talked about, you know, there were going to be some bumps in the road for, <laughs> for this offense. I thought for the most part, other than the wide receiver group, you know, maybe other than, uh, you know, you know, Kobe, um, I think other than him, you know, Kobe Hudson making the few plays, I thought the the wide receiver group was was underwhelming, um, but you know, besides that, I thought the offense for for the most part played um, you know much better. I thought they did some good things. Still a lot to to work on, but um, you know, there's just not a whole lot of downfield threats. They they tried some deep balls down the field, but <clears throat> there's no separation. Most of them were are almost thrown his back shoulders at times just to try to try to make a play. Um, but yeah, you know, I thought. You know, that, that sequence, uh, I'm sure they'll look back at that and go, maybe we should have done something different. I mean, you know, you get – to me, I, my, my one thought, there was a couple things. There were a couple issues. Um, earlier, um, the first play of the fourth quarter, your fourth and one, um, kick a field goal, and, and three points was important. But, again, that's an opportunity to give the ball to Tank Bigsby and, and see if you can go down and score a touchdown. Um, and so I thought that and then, you know, the, the four downs, you know, you got four downs to work with. Um, throw it on first down and then throw it on fourth and two, I thought. And if I'm doing it, I got to give Tank a, or, or Jarquez a carry on first down just to see where I'm at, knowing that I've got three more downs to play with. But, hey, hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, You know, they, they you know, try to dial up, you know, the best plays they could. And, and you know, they executed a good bit last night. Um, but – for me, 
the offense wasn't as much of an issue against Penn State as the defense was. Um, you know, I thought it was going to be a lower scoring game, and it was. I did not envision, you know, Penn State and, you know, Sean Clifford completing 28 of 32 passes for 300 yards and having, I would say, the vast majority of those be fairly wide open. Um, those tight end throws, I mean, there's 140-some-odd, 150-some-odd yards were, were six or seven throws to tight ends where those guys didn't have anybody around them. Um, no pass rush to speak of. I thought I thought defensive issues, yeah, you know, comes down to to you know that those plays where you go that that goal line, but man, uh that wasn't a dynamic Penn State offense. Uh, but but you let them make plays because there was no pressure on them. You know, last night that was the biggest issue for me. Yeah, and I'm glad you got into that because we'll we'll move on because I think uh and, and I'll be interested to see what Brian Harson says um, as we're recording this, I guess, early Sunday morning. I'll be interested to see what he says on Monday because this is kind of the second time, and I guess that's going to be his approach to things is, well, you know, I, I got to look at the film before talking about something like that play. Be interested to see what he comes up with on Monday because really the question wasn't uh, why didn't you run the ball? It was, you know, do you think that was a good play call? Um, so I think maybe Monday he'll be able to talk about why, you know, he and Bobo decided not to put the ball on the ground there. But uh yeah, so Auburn's defense, I think, in this game um, kind of simultaneously kept them in it for a good portion of it when the offense was struggling, but also was a reason um, why they themselves struggled there at the end of the game. So, Jason, I was I was flipping back this morning, and the, the team percentages, the team stats don't go back past 1995, so I'm gonna, it's going to take a little bit longer for me to find this. But you're exactly right. Penn State completed 87.8% of its passes. Sean Clifford was 28 of 32. You had the the trick play by Jahan Dotson that went for 22 yards. That's the highest completion percentage against Auburn since at least 1995. And I'm willing to venture that once I find out how to go farther back than that, um, then it's going to be even more than that. But, um, you know, you and I talked about, it's interesting because you and I talked about leading up to the game. Well, if this, if this front four can, can stop the run, look out because they look pretty strong in the pass rush. Well, they can stop the run, no problem. I mean, Penn State could barely do anything on the ground. It was the opposite problem. The pass rush was was pretty much non-existent. It was, yeah. Uh, I, you know, the only real pressure they got all night was Kobe McLean on a kind of delayed blitz because I, I think you know we could find out. I don't. We may not be able to find out, but I think he just came on his own because Sean Clifford held the ball so long on the play that he forced the interception on. Um, they were just kind of throwing one up anyway. So, but that was the only real pressure to speak of. TD Moultrie got chased him a couple of times, but um, they didn't do a whole lot of scaring him. And you know, it it, it is the the highest completion percentage for a Penn State quarterback in the last twenty five years. So we know that um, it was, and it's a carryover from the first two weeks. And people wondered, you know, playing the zone. Uh, giving up, you know, so many of those. It wasn't necessarily the short passes last night. It was the tight end. Um, and it was more of a lack of pressure last night. I think Auburn, you know, when you're outside at corner and you got John Dotson outside, you're not going to cover that guy a whole long time um, without pressure on a quarterback. And that's what we saw more, I think, on the perimeter. Um, I think the issue for me is, is, is what happens at safety or linebacker, whatever the issues were. Uh, with those tight ends, um, 
you know, we saw, you know, multiple times um, guys get released and, and nobody pick them up. And to me, that play of the game uh, defensively um, was was in the fourth quarter. You know, when they they throw the, you know, they throw that, you know, forty yard pass down to the three yard line. That was to me right there the only way they were going to score. And they might have got in field goal range. But Auburn's defense was playing exceptionally well there, and they went back to that well and said, hey, let's go back to that tight end again, and it worked again. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think – I do think there were were some things that they learned about themselves. I think the coaches learned some things last night, um, and that's one thing we talked about. Um, I think people underestimated a little bit um, maybe the atmosphere. I didn't think it was – you know, the loudest thing I've ever heard. But the atmosphere was was definitely intense. Um, and I think it probably played somewhat of an impact. I don't think it had a huge impact. Um, but, you know, uh, maybe just enough to, uh, to, to carry, carry over a little bit here or there. But, you know, it was, a, it was a game that Auburn had every opportunity to win. And, uh, you know, even, even going back to the, the first play of, 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 you know, the second half, you know, you go back and say, <clears throat> why are you doing that? But if you go back and look at it, Kobe Hudson just handles that ball and, and tucks it. He may have 40, 50 yards of running room right there. And, and I know that wasn't the play design, but it was, it was getting ready to be a big play. Um, and so it was just, a, you know, a night where Penn State made plays and Auburn didn't make plays. And in the end, uh, that's – that's how close games go. Um, one team makes more plays than the other, and last night it was Penn State. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Yeah, I thought there was actually a good bit of room there, like you said, for for Hudson. And, and this was something that bled over, talking about the defense, that bled over, you know, the quick passes, not only from the first two games of the season, but that's something we saw when they struggled under Kevin Steele, too. This is not the first time we've talked about an opposing quarterback and saying, wow, he did a really good job moving the ball underneath, or wow, his completion percentage was really, really high. That that happened a little too often, I think, in, under the previous defensive regime. regime. So, Obviously, that's not something that was going to get fixed overnight, but it's also not something we expected to be this bad and for Clifford to get pressured so little. But you talked about the atmosphere a little bit. A lot was made of what Bo Nix could do in this game. Obviously, like we talked about before, Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter combined for 165 yards on the ground, two carries. Bigsby had two touchdowns. They were the best form of offense. But I thought all things considered, considering uh, you know how he was kind of with his back against the wall sometimes and the atmosphere that you mentioned, Bo Nix could have had a much worse game. He did not have any big mistakes. Uh, he's 21 of 37 for a buck 85, although he should have thrown a pick six right before the break. That was probably the easiest pick six that that Penn State DB is ever going to have a chance at in his life. But I really don't think much of this comes back to Bo Nix in terms of, you know, how Auburn could have won this game. Um, like you said, I think a lot of it is on those receivers. They've got to find some better playmaking there. But just what was your overall takeaway from what you saw from Nick's because it certainly wasn't his, his worst performance we've ever seen from him on the road. No, I thought it was one of his best to be quite honest. Uh, 
I'm just, I, I still just flabbergasted that people that, that, you know, if you watch that game and you think that Bo Nix was the issue against Penn State, I, it just blows my mind sometimes. Um, he didn't play perfect. He played pretty darn well, I thought. I thought there were a lot of growth moments for him um, and, and checking down to receivers and, you know, looking off guys, throwing to the tight ends. I, I thought there were some things there. When you don't have separation in, in, in the secondary, go back and watch the difference in Penn State's wide receivers and Auburn's wide receivers and, and how much separation there is from the defensive backs. Auburn had none. And, and here's the other part. Yeah, a couple of a couple, maybe maybe three drops, maybe more than that. Um, I know a couple for sure that, you know, one, you know, Shedrick Jackson just had a, had a rough night. I, I feel bad for him because he worked really hard and it's important to him. But he stumbles coming out of a break. Bo Nix throws a, what I think is a perfect pass and he's falling down and it hits his hands. If he keeps his feet, it may be a touchdown. Um, and so I thought Bo played pretty solid football and, you know, the pick, you know, the, the would be pick six. Um, I don't know if you can see it on TV, but from the field level, every coach on the sidelines, including Cornelius Williams, immediately ran to the wide receiver and was screaming at him, not the quarterback, not the tight end. So there was a miscommunication somewhere along the line that caused something on that play because they, they, they went after the wide receiver pretty quickly. Um, so that's the things we don't know. Um, we don't know, you know, entirely what happens in a passing game. You see one part of it, and that's it. But no, I thought I thought it was a really pretty solid performance by Bo. <clears throat> Made some some clutch third down throws, a couple of runs. Um, yeah, I, I thought again. I said last night, I thought he did easily enough to win that football game, um, and that's what you want every quarterback, especially in the new offense. Yeah, I would agree with you there. And, and that's good perspective on that pick six. Obviously, it's, you know, things from field level are much different than what you see um, up high on a TV. Brian Harson's talked about it all offseason long, um, and he did it right before the game on the on the college game day broadcast. I was watching in the morning and the crew was kind of laughing about it because Holly Rowe asked him, what does Bo Nix have to do to win this game? And he's done what he's done all, all offseason and said, you know, we got to play good around him. And, and I think kind of the basis of those comments, we saw what that means. Tonight, I think we saw that. Um, look, this is this is what happens when you have an inexperienced wide receiving core. I mean, Shedrick Jackson, or excuse me, uh, John Samuel Shanker, might have been their best, most consistent option. Um, and then Kobe Hudson, to his credit, came back and made some good plays after that big mistake. Other than that, he wasn't able to hook up with much of anybody with consistency. Like you said, there were some miscommunications. He was twenty-one to thirty-seven. That number probably would have been more like twenty-six or twenty-seven if it hadn't been for those plays. Um, but Jason, we'll talk about it a little more in the week as we look to Georgia State. Auburn's got an opportunity for a, for a tune-up game. But, um, you know, in order for them to have a chance to go in and win at LSU or, or, or win that game outright at LSU and get off to a good start in SEC play, what are the biggest improvements that you think this team has to make? Is it in that pass rush? Is it on defense? Because I think that's probably what it is for me, and that's not something I expected to say before this game, honestly. Yeah, I think you look and, and it's just defense as a whole, pass defense. Um, you know, run defense has been really good. I think pass defense as a whole, it, it starts up front, um, linebacker, safety, corner. I think everybody, they got to figure out um, what this team plays best and does best. And you're right. It's something that's gone back to, to, to Kevin Steele before. Um, and, you know, with teams, you know, running crossing routes, it was, it was kind of the way they beat that. When they when they ran a lot of man, 
Um, and now it's just, uh, it's, it's more seam stuff and, and finding some open holes in the zone. But you know, on offense, uh, honestly, right now, I think the offensive line is what it is. I thought they played pretty solid. Um, you know, there's still probably too many third and second long, third and long situations. But overall, they, they did a good job, you know, you're running the football and, and, and being physical up front. I think I think you got to find out, you know, can you find some playmakers at wide receiver? Um, can you get Xavier Capers, Elijah Canyon? Um, you know, Javar Johnson, we saw a little bit. He's got to be back more involved in this offense too. But can you find some guys that can go out there and make plays, um, you know, and, and then figure out what they can do and go from there. Um, no Shedrick Jackson and Demetrius Roberts and those guys, um, they're playing because those guys know the offense. They can move around, do a lot of different things. But, you know, you may have to start looking for who's, who's my playmakers and then, you know, figure out what they can do. But uh, they got to they find some. Uh, if, if, if that's, uh, you know, if that's what the Auburn wide receiver group is going to look like, it'll be tough sledding the rest of the year. Um, you know, I don't care, you know, which, how you run it. We saw last night they ran it pretty well. You know, Bo Nix could play really well, but you can only do so much. Um, you know, you're not you're not magically throwing the ball um, to wide receivers unless you know some guys are going up and getting it. They're not doing that either. Unless Brian Harsha said that post game last night. Got to find guys go get the ball. Um, and if you're not getting separation, you got to go get the ball. And, and right now, you know, at the group as a whole, is not not doing either one of those things. Well, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if guys like Canyon and Capers that we expected to have big roles. I think it's because they're a little bit younger. They didn't find themselves up high on the depth chart. But we talked about it last week that Penn State didn't necessarily have one overall dominating unit. Um, Auburn's going to see better defensive fronts than this. They're certainly going to see better secondaries. They're going to see better cornerbacks um, and safeties. This is not going to get a whole lot easier. I mean, LSU's got one of the best cornerback duos in the country. Um, Georgia's defense is a death star right now. So, I mean, it's not going to get a whole lot easier. Auburn's got to find some answers at receiver pretty quickly. Jason, we will let you um, get some rest and, and, and we wish you, you know, some safety going back and back on the flight and driving back home. So we really, really appreciate you hopping on with us this morning. Thank you guys so much for listening to this edition of the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Please go leave us five stars if you guys enjoyed it. The intro and outro music is by Beats by Mordecai. Find them on Twitter, SoundCloud, Instagram, and we will catch up with y'all later this week. Everybody have a good start to the week. We'll be right back.